Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hi, this is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small businesses think big. Claire, what are you eating? I'm eating a Christmas chocolate. (laughs) Hang on, what? Christmas chocolate? Yeah. So have you got, hang on a second, have you got Christmas chocolates that are genuinely left over from Christmas? I certainly do. And now we're recording this in May, so you've had chocolate in your house for five months untouched. I have, and I'm just looking at the best before date, which is the 29th of May 2020. So, you know, they need to be eaten. (laughs) I can't believe you've managed to do that and save chocolate for five months and not eat it in your house. I know. that is. It's not common. It's not a common occurrence, but... Obviously, it is possible. I've just had the salted butterscotch. What do you think next? Winter fudge or nutty caramel? Is is there a coffee one? No. I always go... There's not a coffee one. Oh, I love a coffee one, me. Or one with nuts in. Yeah, Okay. I've got one with nuts in. So, episode one, who's our first guest, Paul? Oh, got a good one today. I'm talking to a guy called Gavin Inskip, uh, who is a um, warm-up guy for TV shows. So, he does TV shows like... um, Strictly Come Dancing, and he'll go on. If you have you ever been to an, uh, a TV show recording before? I haven't actually, but I have seen some programs on the the back, you know, the back scenes of how it all operates, and it's always fascinated me how they fill in those gaps and get the audience ready for when the show starts. This is what Gavin does, so amongst uh, the many other things that he does. And the reason why I thought it'd be good to get him on is because. Um, he is a master at controlling an audience. And this is a really important skill to have, whether you're a large business or a small business, because at some point you're going to have to stand up in front of a bunch of people and start talking to them about whatever it is you do and whatever skills you've got. And I'm sure you know, I'm sure you've, you've you, I mean, I know you've had to stand up several times uh, and talk to people. So it's, I mean, it's a skill every business needs really, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Um, to get to the energy, I, I feel a lot of it is about the energy that you portray um, and how you hold yourself and how you project your, your message to people is just absolutely crucial. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about how he actually does that. So let's dive in and let's, uh, let's, let's check out the interview. This is the Big Little Business Show. How would you describe yourself, Gavin? Oh, wow, that's good. Um, so I kind of like, because of nowadays like media being as it is um i think it's just easy to just say broadcaster because that covers many bases and that covers my things like being the guy who talks between the programs on discovery which is continuity announcer um you know various radio bits i do for five live and and cover i don't do a full-time radio show anymore my um my studio warm-up which i do loads of um host quizzes as well but like high-end not like a pub quiz like high-end ones and stuff so yeah that's that's broadcaster is is the quicker way of saying that all that massive long bit of speech i said that you'll probably edit down well now that was good because my next question was going to be how did you get here and you kind of just answered it <laughs> all right yeah fine it, it, to be honest it's kind of like a lot of my friends with a, a especially with a radio background and pe- friends who are, are radio people who are now still in the industry and are, are very good and some other people who uh like me as well, did radio and then telly. Everyone started in the same way when we were back and it was all helping out as a volunteer at our, at our local radio station. Yeah, and of course the radio industry has changed so much to a degree now where I guess a lot of your friends and obviously my friends as well who are still in the radio industry or were in that industry have had to diversify and kind of move into other directions. And I guess that's kind of what's got you to kind of what you're doing now really, isn't it? 
Yeah, it has, and I've, it's it's really weird because we're recording this at the moment in in you know the coronavirus, which is going across the world in the UK, and we're in uh, what is it day forty one of lockdown or something? Oh, like I that. don't even know what um, day it is. I don't exactly. It's uh, but anyway, we're uh, we're just at the start of May. But um, what's really interesting about this is, and what you say this with the coronavirus, I noticed my friends who are doing well and my friends who are. Um, who not are not doing well, but not doing as well. And it's it's people with their business who have adapted. And it's kind of like one of the phrases I've came up with during this lockdown is adapt or die, because the people who are doing well are the ones who are thinking outside the box and going, right, I'm going to do this, this. Outside the lockdown, I realise I've been doing that with my work for pretty much my whole career. And however, uh, it's, you know, in, the, in this lockdown, basically I had a day where essentially 90% of my work 80% of my work was cancelled in a day because obviously I'm doing uh, live studio warm-ups that requires studio audience or if not, I'm going out to uh, work in TV studios or I'm hosting quizzes or corporate events, everything in the public sector. And the one thing that that's sort of like kept me going for an income is my, my voiceovers and the fact that I can do that at home. And the only reason why I've got that is because... The, it's one job of about five or six that I do. Yeah, you're you're so right. I totally agree with you. And I I think back to you know my dad, who's he's gone a few years now. But uh, when he was working, it was a case of you, you go and do an apprenticeship, and you get a career, and you get a job rather or a skill set, and then that's your career for life. But I don't think it's like that now. I think you can you can jump from one career to another, and maybe have two or three different job descriptions on the go at any one time. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's not that, you know, they can all be related. It's nothing special with the radio industry. It's, it's, it's it, it could be copy and pasted to quite a lot of things. But so in the radio industry, you had always lots of radio stations over the years, especially in the last 10 years, they've all consolidated to be part of a group where then they do what's called network programming. So it all comes from a central base. So that means they get rid of jobs and da 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 um, which is just evolution. It's just because, you know, the reason why it's happened is because when I started radio as a kid in the 90s, it was, you had a local radio station, it was a license to print money with advertising, da 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 But things changed. The internet came along and um, online spend and social media. So advertisers split their spend in different bit, uh, bits, which mean they weren't spending as much money on radio, which means they were uh, making less money. And, and it's, it's essentially sort of like people during the steam age and then electricity coming along going, oh my God, this electricity is stealing all the jobs from our steam lot, blah, blah, blah. That That's what happens. And just as long as you know your skills and how you can bend that into different areas, that's what I think keeps you, well, basically it keeps you survive, the adapt or die thing. I think. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And that's really, really good advice. I totally agree with you. And I think the reason why uh, over the last few years, I've kind of turned my attention to you know, making video for business is purely because it's a hat that I can wear quite happily. So yeah, that, uh, you're right. I, you know, you've gone off in one direction and I've gone off in another, but essentially we both started from the same place. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, as you know, it's blooming scary. If you, when you go into something and you don't know about it, and I think I think I think I've learned about myself is as well that I procrastinate a lot on new things because I'm like right no for me to do this I need to know absolutely everything about it I need to know like I need to research it thoroughly so when I do it it's absolutely perfect and I've kind of like realized from this it doesn't work like that you do actually obviously you learn things as you go along but that shouldn't stop you doing it just go in do it 
and then you'll work everything out as you go along. You've got to have trust at that rather than think, right, I'm going to know everything first, be perfect, and then launch it. Yeah, absolutely right. One of my favourite quotes is from uh, Richard Branson who says, if you get asked to do something, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, if, if, if I get asked to do something, I, I just say yes and then I work out how to do it afterwards. Oh, that's great because then I could ask him, can I have uh, a lifetime of free first-class flights, please? Upper class, sorry, Virgin. <laughs> and then he'd say yes, wouldn't he? Brilliant. And then work it out to do it afterwards. I can have a Necker (laughs) Island for two weeks every year for my birthday. You have to say yes, Richard. It was in your book. <laughs> so yeah, so what? I, I mean, as you know, one of the many things that's helped me, you know, to launch my various businesses is, is to be able to stand up in front of people and you know, and, and command a room and talk to a room and you know, and, and not be boring doing it. And obviously, uh, you're uh, doing doing that on a much larger scale uh, as a warm up guy for TV shows. And I'm thinking there are lots of skills there that you know, many SMEs could learn from. So they you know, they could learn from you and learn from the way that you do that kind of thing. So just Gav, just start by explaining how this works. So warm-up, in a way, is a bit misleading because warm-up makes it sound like something that just happens at the start. And if you go and watch a TV show, um, I'm the guy you see who comes on at the start, basically, uh, you know, tells you what's going to happen, make sure they're as loud as whatever when the presenters come out. So that's it, it's kind of like there's two shows going. You've got the, the show that's been recorded, which the presenters are presenting for the people at home, and then another show, which is kind of like what I'm hosting, which is for the... The, the audience there. I'm I'm imagining that for doing this job, most of the crowds are warm to a degree before you get to them because they're kind of you know, they're, you know oh look at me I'm on a TV studio this is all exciting how exciting I might be on TV and all that kind of stuff. So uh, is 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 that the case or if you have any sort of situations where you've got to go into a crowd and they're absolutely cold and then it's harder work for you to get them up to speed. I always find the warm up comes on cold because it's like. You know, as you said, there's that huffle and everyone's waiting. There's a little bit of background music and then all of a sudden the music drops. So like when I started, I actually have a, like a, a big opener to make it sound a bit more excited and all that. And then I run out to that. And then, yeah, they are proper excited at the start. Depends what sort of show you've got. If you've got a smaller audience, not so much. But yeah, the, the, the job mainly is, and it'd probably be like for anyone doing, doing any speech. It's, and it's probably the bit, if, if you do get nervous with public speaking, it's probably the bit you're worried about is the start. But that's actually the easy bit. It's the it's it's the keeping it, um, you know, it, it's keeping the energy uh, throughout it. That's that's the most important job. Yeah, I, st- I hadn't thought of it that way. I suppose, but I, I suppose if you st- you kind of if you go on at a ten, you've got to keep that level up to a degree. I mean, you're not going to stay at ten, but you certainly don't want to dip below five. Otherwise, you you you've lost your crowd. I suppose. Yeah, and it's it it sounds a bit hippie or something like that, but especially with. Um, uh, warm-up work it you feel it it is an energy i don't know what it is but you can feel the vibe you can feel the energy of a room drop i don't know what the science is but it is it, it exists so that that's the first thing so first thing accept that that exists and then the second thing maybe to be able to start to realize to control it is to be aware of it i think before you can actually uh before you can actually uh manipulate it you need to be aware of when energy in a room is up or down thing next time you're at a work talk or a lecture or you're at a theater or stand up or anything where someone or something is being presented to an audience just sit there in the audience as a member yourself and just think right what's the energy like at the moment so yeah i would say that uh, so first of all except exists and secondly just be aware before you start presenting anything like that don't worry about it yet just just start to so then you'll get to a point where you'll be able to read a room it is it is a skill that comes with time isn't it oh god yeah like, i think it's just, yeah totally it is 
So what about nerves? Let's talk about that for a second, because um, if you're about to go out and, and uh, address an audience that you've never met before, there is an element of nerves still there, regardless it doesn't matter how many years you've done it for. But I think actually that ner- that nervous energy is is productive. It's a good energy, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love those nerves. I mean, I don't because obviously the whole bit of nerves is you're not supposed to find them a bit uncomfortable. When to get really nervous if you is if you don't get the nerves. Even today, before I go and step out on a stage or in a studio or something like that, I get nerves. But they're sort of like little. I'm about to go on a roller coaster nerve. Uh, rather it's like butterflies, isn't butterflies. It? Seriously, if you don't get there, you should be worried because it means you're being blasé about it and you're not focusing about it. If you're at a point where it's it's you know rational uh, nerves, and although I understand public speaking is a rational fear, and and it is for a lot of people. Now I've suffered from anxiety for different things over the years, and one of the things once you know. I was anxious about and used to bring me up I mean, you know proper panic attacks on that was like traveling um and it was quite funny that you know when I was getting help with it and all that that I'd be sitting in front of someone who didn't understand or did did understand but tried to make me put it in some context the fact that you know the fact that going on a plane which a load of other people could do whereas I can go and stand on a stage in front of a thousand people and not and not get that it, that really helps you under you, you know understand that um you know there's different things that that can bring anxiety to different people so the first thing i would say is just put it into context what you're doing or you're standing in front of a room talking to people is it actually really really that scary what is what is the worst that can happen when you're taught to uh, to deal with anxiety that's one of the things that one of the tools that you would use isn't it to quantify it and think well actually well hang on a minute is it as scary as this uh is it really as uh, dangerous as doing this xyz and then by the time you've gone through that sort of self sort of realization if you like then you think oh okay that's actually not that bad it can you know the the world's not going to end 15 minutes is all over and if it weren't great then i'll just get up and brush myself off and do it again and just remember it's never going to be how you imagine it to be it's never gonna it's good to imagine it going well do definitely do that but no it's and i think this is the thing with anxiety and nerves and stuff like that the reason why you get that anxiety you say it's about public speaking is because in your head you're going over it again and again and again and you're seeing you standing there in front of the people and what you've got to remember is it's not going to be like that it's not because what you're thinking in your head is not reality so let's let's say you, like you, you you meet a small business owner you're at a party or something and they've got a small business and let's say just you uh, gav yeah i know you do this kind of stuff i've been uh, asked to talk at a networking meeting in front of say 15 people or something and uh, I've never done it before, and I'm really nervous about it. Yeah, when I walk out to what's my opening gambit? How do I how do I get command of the of the audience from the get go? What, what what advice would you give? You know that feeling you get where if you you know you got to go to the gym and you've got to, you've got to drag yourself to the gym. You've got to do that bit that where you got to get out of bed, put your gym kits. There feels like there's an oof, isn't there? I've I've got a, oof, I've got right. You know you've got a little energy burst that you've got to do to actually get you out the door to going to the gym. For me, like doing warm up or pre- even presenting is a bit like that. I have to find that little oomph of energy at the top to go on. And the reason why I have to do that is because that's the energy I give off. So to go on, you've got to give yourself a little kick up the ass before you go on. Because if you go in like that and you, it's even like a, hi, good morning, boom. You just need to go in with that little energy burst because that is what will carry it through. And as I said, we've already discussed that this uh, 
psychedelic thing about a room having energy, man. Don't know what, where it does actually comes from. It comes from you. It comes from the presenter. It comes from the speaker. So for it to come from you, you've got to generate that. In the same way, you have to generate that, oh, I've got to go to the gym. And when you get to the gym, that whole, oh, I've got to get on the running machine. That's that little oomph you need to start off any speech because that's what gives you the energy and that's what makes it pass to the rest of the room. I guess you could say if you wanted to, if you want to start a fire in the room, you've got to be the lightning bolt, haven't you? Absolutely. It does come from you. You know, there'll be times where, I will go to work. I'm thinking of a TV show I think I did last year. I was really ill and I was on like Lemsip and this and stuff like that. And I was, um, I was up in Salford, uh, which is a good one there because like you go up for like a block of four days where you record eight shows or something like that, an afternoon record an evening. And essentially, you know, your life is wake up in the hotel, have breakfast, go to the studio for sort of like midday ish. And then you're there till about nine, 10 o'clock, uh, maybe a quick drink afterwards hotel repeat four days and the thing with that is you know all i wanted to do when i was ill was as soon as i wasn't working just be in my hotel room bed and just sleep to recuperate um but when you go on you're like boom you have to get that energy and you kind of like it's weird you forget you're ill because you're in the zone and you're doing your bit and that energy is coming from you because that's your job and then you come off and you're absolutely shattered and you're like right back to the hotel room for bed and this may make it sound really hard i'm, I'm very conscious that it's over complicating things but because we, because what people are probably thinking about is oh yeah but what am i saying it's about what i'm saying it's not actually the most important thing is not about what you should say it's basically the 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 vibe you give to the room it's, it's the oh, we need to find another word apart from energy but you know what i mean no I, 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 yeah don't don't fight it gav i think that's the right word i think yeah it is as describes exactly what it is because you can't see it you can definitely feel it you can see it to a degree because of through people's behaviors but uh, you you certainly feel it and you get it in your you get it in your gut, don't you? You get it in your heart and you think, oh, oh I'm losing yeah. them. No, and I had that on, you know, if I'm on, you know, I've done TV programs before that are seven hours to record and you feel it go. You feel the, you you know the spot and, you know, experience, like floor managers, the camera crew, they all know when it goes and you do as well. And that's when you work your bloody hardest, that bit. And, and I feel it, it is a physical thing. I feel it and like you come off and you... If, you know, like say to the floor manager, and like you know, imagine what's the what's the air clinch thing called? You know, you do uh, for, for power ballads. What's air it called? Grab, air yeah. grab, isn't it? An air grab. That that's what it's like. It's you are literally pulling audience to you, and you physically feel you dragging them in. Like, come on, let's da 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 da. And it is, it's something that does require. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it burns calories. Perhaps you need to do more of them. Yeah, and eat, yeah, to offset my biscuits. What we finish off every podcast with and every interview with. Uh, is this thing which is kind of inspired by a TV show I used to watch, which I'm sure you've seen before, called Inside the Actors Studio. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not been on it. So just to explain, for those of you who don't know what this show was, it was hosted by a guy called James Lipton, who sadly isn't with us anymore. And it ran, it must have run for like 10, 15 years or so, Gav, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, essentially every week it was done in a lecture theatre uh, in front of a bunch of uh, acting students. Uh, and every week he'd get a Hollywood name on uh, and they'd talk about their craft and talk about their history, talk about the movies they've been in. And, uh, and every week James Lipton would always finish with a set of 10 questions, uh, which were um, the same every single time. And I've taken my inspiration from those 10 questions and we've got a shortened version, five questions just for fun. Uh, and, and then we'll see what we get out of them. 
Okay, very good. You're right. It was like it's basically American institution that show, wasn't it? If you've got, it, I think it's like a TV version of our Desert Island Discs, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, I guess it is. It's a good way of describing it. I mean, essentially, if you've not seen it, I mean, I'm sure there must be some episodes on YouTube or something. But once you've watched one, you're going to be hungry to watch another one. Robin Williams, I remember being an excellent guest, and yeah, Tom Cruise was on it, and yeah, some, some great actors who are sadly no longer with us anymore. But I mean, it, it's addictive viewing, isn't it? No, it's really, really good. It's like it's. It's a yeah, as I said, American institution of a program. So it? let's fire some questions off with you, uh, Gav. What what's your favourite smell? It's the it's the holiday smell of Cornwall, and I can't I can't describe it. And there's also where I used to go, uh, Travella, which was this like uh, campsite when we were kids, and the the shop used to smell a certain way, and it's really and. When I go back there, I sometimes it's faded over the years. But even as an adult now, at forty years old, I would just go in that shop to, to smell it. Not even staying on the campsite anymore. I just pop in and visit. I'm just um, popping in for a smell. Yeah, ignore me. I'm just popping in for a smell, and uh, that's how I ended up in prison in Truro. Um, no, but um, but yeah, that. But anything of your childhood like that. But yeah, Cornwall smells definitely. Uh, what's your favourite biscuit? It's got to be a Viennese melt. I could smash off an entire pack. Or I was going to say one. Marks and Spencer's extremely chocolate ring, but it's never one. It's the pack, and then I feel sick. You're you, you're really going up to like you're on the high end biscuit there, aren't you? You're posh biscuits for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's all right. Oh, this boy from Enfield's done all right. He's the M and S biscuits now. <laughs> What's your favourite movie? I know the answer, but let's go with it anyway. Back to the Future. It's the best film made of all time. Next. <laughs> It's my favourite movie too, uh, but and, and it is full of plot holes. But I do think the the more it goes on, as in the sequel and the third one, I think it got cleverer. Yeah, it did. It really did. And it's and also it kind of like it's, it's got a nice little message at the end, which you sort of like realise more as an adult. Now, this is an interesting question because I know for a fact that you've you've met lots of famous people. So, who is the most famous in your eyes person you've met? This used to be quite hard, but as of last September, it's really easy. Um, and I'm one to get um, starstruck at all, not at all. It's only really happened twice in my life, and the second uh, being last September. And it was when I met Elton John. <gasps> Man, that's a that's a big one. That's going to take some beating, Gav. So what happened? Uh, yeah, so basically um, I went for a birthday celebration in Las Vegas, um, uh, there was nine of us, but, uh, you know, Elton John was playing in Las Vegas when we were in Las Vegas. We found out in March. Not only that, it's his farewell tour. So what are the chances? Never seen him live before. I think we were about 10 rows back, 12 rows back or something like that. And my friend, um, after, like, towards the end, about an hour after, like, when he was doing all the hits, after this song, my friend Chris put his arm around me and went, happy birthday, mate, and then he showed me his phone. And his phone said, Hi, Chris. It's, I can't remember his name, so it's Josh, but we met him before and he was the guy that looked, looked after Elton and his artists and stuff like that. Uh, hi, Chris. It's Josh. Uh, just to let you know, uh, Elton would like to meet uh, you and Gavin and say happy birthday to Gavin after the show. So when you hear um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road playing, make your way to uh, the left of the stage and I'll meet you there. And Chris says two things. He says, one, he said, for that whole point, I was speechless and he's never known me like that. We got a little call and then we went and there was Elton John and David Furnish. Oh, wow. Oh, you met the both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Proper nice, both of them. And I don't really remember much of it, I'll be honest. Um, apart from the fact I prattled on about the BA pilot strike, which in 
in retrospect, wasn't probably. I was just trying to find common ground, but then I realised there is no common ground. He don't fly a bit. He's got his own jet. He's Elton John, yeah. Yeah, he's Elton John. He don't care about that plan, whatever it was. Uh, but Yeah, real bucket list stuff. Yeah. Okay, final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, um, I would like it. You know, like if you've got, a, you got an appointment at your physio or something like that, and they go, ooh, uh, no, Gavin, uh, no, sorry, it's 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 next Monday, not this Monday, like that. God, like, <laughs> oh no, sorry, there's a bit of a mistake here. You, this is embarrassing. You, yeah, it's embarrassing. You're not, you're ins one p for in skip. Yeah, yeah, nah, I I see what happens here. I see what happened here. Uh, yeah, there's a bloke down there at the moment who's got a name like yours, and I'm quite frankly, you shouldn't be there. So um, leave leave it with us. So essentially, you want God to say, "I'm I'm sorry, this has been an admin yeah, error." Yeah, this is an ad- yeah, this is <laughs> this has been an admin error. Yeah. But he probably operates like Ryanair and, you know, you don't get anything from it. So before we go, and I think it's only fair that you give us a little plug and tell us about Gav Quiz. Oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Thanks. Uh, so I'm not sure when you're listening to this. If you are in lockdown, this will be relevant. If not, it may not. But, but it's going to go on forever, but, right? I mean, Gav, Gav Quiz will never die. Yeah, it will just it won't be live. It may not be online. It'll be a live thing. So basically, very uh, quickly, as uh, we may have said at the start, one of the things I do is, which isn't my main job, I host uh, quizzes. Um, which, and it's not a pub quiz, like pub quiz is an insult to me. I love pub quizzes, they're great. But this is like a full on, like, uh, like entertainment. Well, you've been to them, Paul, haven't you? You explain them. Yeah, they're not, we, they're I not think it's cheesy, probably best but... to explain. It's an interactive experience, Gav, isn't it? It is, it is that, yeah. It's a night out, that's what it is. And it's not like, I don't like stand around and dick around in costumes and sing and stuff like that no one would want that but we just go in and it's 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 slick I think isn't it that's the thing it's slick it's creative everyone has a good time so I do these for like um, various posh members clubs in the UK and various bits and so when we went into lockdown everyone was like oh no you know they're all cancelled how do we do it and obviously in my back of my mind it was like well ideally you would uh you would want to do it online. But I was like, how the hell do you do it? Oh, I have no idea. And it was like, I think it was one guy in his spare bedroom sitting in his pants that got 12,000 views and he went on for two hours. It was dull as dishwater. And it was like, right, okay, I need to do this now because people have asked me to do it. So I looked into it and then, yeah, just started doing them online. And a friend bullied me into do it when I came to this realisation that I was probably losing out. And I think she, uh, Megan, thank you, Megan, she rang me at like three o'clock on a Friday afternoon and she said, right, you've got to do this. And then by... Uh, Eight o'clock that night, I did my first Facebook Live with broadcast software and graphics and all that. I have no idea how I taught myself in four, five, six, five hours. Did it. Great success. Did it again. Good success. Did one to raise money for the NHS, raise a load of money, and then set up like this premium one, which is GavQuiz Gold, which is like you've got prizes and it's like price of a pint is three ninety nine to enter. So the current format is... Um, Free one on a Wednesday on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, and then our VIP one on a Sunday, which you can pay to do. So that's during lockdown. And then beyond that, uh, who knows? But what will definitely happen is that um, I will go back to be doing my normal live quizzes. But the different thing, which could be quite cool now, is whereas usually they're behind closed doors at private members' clubs and things like that, or corporate, and you know, a lot of people can't get to do them because. Gav Quiz has been born, as it were, through an online thing. 
it, it might make sense to then take that to, to other venues as a live setting that anyone can go to. So who knows, Paul? We don't know. But that's the exciting thing about business, isn't it? That's why we, we do it. Yeah, and it, it takes us full circle almost to the back of the, the beginning of the interview and we were talking about how you have to adapt and roll with the punches and just think, right, okay, let's open a new door and, and look at look at that explore that different avenue and see how that works and uh, yeah. that's exactly what you've done isn't it with the quizzes <clears throat> yeah and it's really so this, this makes me I'm not as positive as you think all the time and I do try and work on it and I'm very aware of it so with the first Gab quiz old I did which was basically the premium one quite a bit of me wanted the first one to be a failure so it was literally so we did I did it on the I announced it on the free quiz on a Wednesday I went, right we're going to try this thing on Sunday Gab quiz gold don't know if it's going to work or not it did really really well and I think right with saying you've got to roll with the punches and when you've got to go with stuff when it's when it's good and it was like okay this is a big slide i need to continue with it so, so let's quantify what you mean by success so so how many people do you get on your free ones so uh on the free ones you uh get around about 1200 playing live like 1200 a thousand playing live and then more on replay depending on what facebook does with its algorithms you know like one of them i had twenty thousand people watch on a replay but then others, it's like 7,000 or 5,000. You know, I don't know how uh, enough about it. Um, but then on the premium one, obviously you don't get that many. But what obviously you do look at is what money's coming from it. And um, that's what judges if it's a success or not. And yeah, it was. But yeah, if you just look at the website, gavquiz.com, it's all on there. And it's got about corporate ones and live ones and bit like that and it's it's quite shocking that i've actually got around to sorting that website out but not the one for my main career as in my tv and radio work uh which is i think about 10 years out of date doesn't work on iphones um yeah i need to get that's on my list of things that's the thing with business people always got the things to do there's all there's always a list isn't there yeah yeah just try and tick off some things each day That was absolutely fascinating to hear about how the energy that you project um, has such an impact on your audience. Um, and also meeting Elton John. Wow, that's going to take some beating. Yeah, that's really going to take some beating. That's a big story. So hopefully we'll be able to find someone who's met someone more famous than Elton John. But he met Elton John and David Furnish together in the same room. I mean, that's... In the same room. Yeah. It's a pretty big start. That's amazing. But yeah, you're right. It's, it was really interesting listening to what he was saying about the um yeah, about the anxiety that everyone feels and it's nice that someone in his situation uh, has gone through that as well because it doesn't matter whether you're standing in front of 20 people or 2000 people those nerves are no different. No, I completely agree. Uh, whether I when I um previously have done public speaking, um whether it's a group of 10 or you know 5000 people you're you're still presenting and you're absorbing the energy from the room um and responsive to the messages that you're giving so yeah you definitely i feel put yourself in a place to put yourself out there effectively what's better for you do you think smaller audience or bigger audience gosh um I would say probably the adrenaline from a bigger audience, um, but it depends really. I think it depends what message you're, you're, you're trying to give. I think it's a really difficult question, that one. I think sometimes it can be harder with a smaller audience. Uh, I mean, I've stood in front of 50,000 people before uh, and that's just a sea of faces. But when you've got 20 people in the room, you can 
see their expressions. You can read much more from them uh, and you can see perhaps uh, I mean, maybe it's good in a way because you can see how they're reacting and, 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 and watch them when they're getting a little bit bored, perhaps. And be, mm. you, be, you can react to that, perhaps. I don't know. But definitely, definitely some transferable skills there. Definitely. And damn, 50,000, you beat me. So we hope that was valuable for you and you got something from it. And if you have any more questions uh, about presenting and how you talk in front of an audience, then do please get in touch. Our channels and all the information is coming up in a second. And we'll see you in episode two. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the chocolate's done that? It's made you a bit hyper, Claire. I think so. I think I need to go get glass water. The Beat. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. The Big Little Business Show is a PM2 Media and Excel Networking production.